this is Killer Physiology. I am Haley. And I'm Wes. Join us this week as we dive into the killer physiology of the human body. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hello. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. Saturday morning this time. Yeah. On our recording. Usually I'm sitting down on a Thursday night with a craft beer <laughs> recording. Yeah, but I would, I'm... I would judge you a little bit if you were drinking a beer. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sure it's happened, but like, you know, it's a little early. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sitting here on a Saturday morning with a winter storm warning because we're getting our first snow, hopefully, with really sore throat drinking hot tea. So it's a little different. Yeah, it was kind of funny yesterday where Kaylee was trying to coach her uh, her exercise class and yeah. her voice was get, like slowly fading out. And I literally like... lost it minutes before <laughs> the start of it. It was great. Yeah. And I have to scream at them the whole time, you know, so. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it'll be good, though. You know, we'll, uh, so please we'll, excuse me if I we'll have a coughing it. fit. Yeah. And or have to say rhabdomyolysis 8000 times. Yeah. Um, Lucky oh, it's me, actually, I get to say that when I'm sick. It's starting to like, it's like wintery mix right now. It just started. Oh my God. I'm excited. Wes is more north of me though. So I'm going to yeah. be envious as hell if he gets more snow. Yeah, I'll definitely rub it in Haley's face if, oh. if I get snow. I, I took, got a uh, puppers who wants to see the snow for the first time. That's true. That. Yeah, I'm sure she'd have fun. I took, oh, um, I took our foster dog out um, oh. before it got like too snowy um, or like, you know, anything that way. Because he's like a little... I mean, he's an yeah. old man. He doesn't like to be he out in bad weather. He doesn't want to poop weather. in the wintry mix. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess let's, we'll get into today's episode. So today we're going to be doing um, one of our research reviews, but we're going to be talking about rhabdomyolysis and we're going to be more so focusing on like exercise induced rhabdo because yes. um, there's a lot of other things that can cause it as well. Yeah, definitely. So I'm probably going to start first. I'm going to kind of review rhabdo, symptomology of it, talk about like the pathophysiology of it, recovery, rehabilitation, things like that. You're bringing big words early on today. I am, <laughs> I can't even, I, can't, I was going to say I'm intelligent, but then I forgot how to say intelligent. So that says a lot. I mean, you know. <laughs> I got brain fog too. Maybe I have COVID. Out. I don't even know. <laughs> Anyways, and then Wes is going to kind of go into like a case report, a specific one. Yeah. So um, it'll be fun. But yep. please um, bear with me today. So what is rhabdo? Let's do a quick overview of it. Um, I know we talked about it in a previous episode before, but rhabdomyolysis, uh, specifically exercise-induced rhabdomyolysis, is a condition where skeletal muscle cells are damaged. Exercise-induced uh, rhabdo can occur due to excessive or intense exercise training. When this occurs, damage of the skeletal muscle cells, cell membranes, allow an increase of creatine kinase or myoglobin to seep into the bloodstream, which is where these items do not belong and it can cause problems inside of our body. As yeah. a result of this, um, individuals have experienced acute renal failure, liver dysfunction, compartment syndrome, which I had to look up. Wes knew uh, it's painful. Pressure I mean, to be fair, it's because of Grey's Anatomy. It was the only okay. reason why so, like, I knew a compartment fake syndrome medical was. Show. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Heart failure, arrhythmias, um, electrolyte imbalance, or death may even occur. So obviously, rhabdomyolysis uh, can be very, very bad. It's not good. Highly do not recommend. Um 
So basically, uh, rhabdo can occur specifically in individuals who are exercising intensely with a prolonged duration and those who are suddenly and excessively contracting their skeletal muscles. So you can kind of think of it as like crazy maniac exercises. Um, I know Wes is going to mention CrossFit later. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's accurate. No, Um, it is. That's what the case study is. Okay. So crazy (laughs) muscle man exercises that people aren't necessarily 100% safe for all individuals to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, Not everything works for everybody. No, exactly. Um, The thing about rhabdo, um, it can elicit similar symptoms to DOMS. And DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness. So it's the thing that we all feel after a really good workout, um, which is just being sore. And the scary part about this is most of us on a daily basis feel sore and feel DOMS on a very um, occasional basis. So it can kind of hide in those symptoms and some individuals don't even know that they have it. So that's where my article comes into play. Scientists worry about how severe rhabdomyolysis can be because it can cause death, like mentioned above, and how it may be overlooked by quote unquote common symptoms. Yeah. So specifically, I'm just going to dive into preventative strategies to avoid exercise-induced rhabdo and then just review important information about the um, mechanisms behind it as well. So if anybody was curious, which I'm sure you might not be, uh, my title of my (laughs) article was Exercise-Induced Rhabdomyolysis Mechanisms and Prevention, a Literature Review by Ju Young et al. from the Journal of Sport Health Science. Check it out. Um, I'm going to dive into the pathophysiology of exercise-reduced, exercise-not-reduced-induced rhabdomyolysis. I'm going to get cellular here, so don't lose me. Um, I only dove into calcium because it got really in-depth, and I don't want to bore anybody here. Yeah. But basically, basically calcium has been known, um, it is known to be an important factor in the pathogenesis or how a condition can develop of exercise-induced rhabdomyolysis since they've seen lots of calcium increases in individuals who've had a diagnosis of it. Mm -hmm. So we all know calcium is good for muscle contraction, but in abundance, an increase of calcium in the sarcoplasm or mitochondria, powerhouse of the cell, may promote cell death. Cell death is no good, my guys. Um, Then it gets into detail about myoglobin and other cellular elements, but again, I don't want to bore you, so I stopped at calcium. But there's an increase of calcium where it doesn't belong, which can increase the chances of cell death. And this has been found in individuals with the diagnosis of exercise-induced rhabdomyolysis. So that's just a quick pathophysiology of that. Well, it's incurring deep down cellular in the body. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. I don't know. I cracked up when you said mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell because I feel like that like is like you have to say every time you say you do basically every time you say mitochondria, you have to go powerhouse of the cell. You have to. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get into what the article states are the primary factors of exercise induced rhabdomyolysis. So the first one they list is the level of physical fitness. Uh, By Line and Russ, they reported that exercise induced rhabdo appears more often in people with little to no exercise experience or in athletes who are less trained than their counterparts. So basically fit individuals versus unfit individuals. They're more concerned with untrained individuals getting rhabdomyolysis, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. 
Um, the next factor that my article lists is the intensity and duration of exercises. So multiple studies um, found that intensity and duration of certain exercises do have an impact on developing exercise-induced rhabdo. Um, I have a few examples of this. Clarkson studied how a group of 12-year-old boys, mm -hmm. they performed 250 to 500 squat jumps. That's insane. Insane. And then developed early onset rhabdo um, by having extreme muscle soreness and then brown colored urine, which is mm -hmm. a symptom of rhabdo. Yeah. In my opinion, this is an extremely intense exercise for a 12 year old boy. Was this like something they like studied after the fact or was that like the study That's a great itself? question because I, it didn't know, go into fine. detail. I don't know if they were like, let's just study 12 year old yeah, boys and make them do happens. 500 squats. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of crazy. I'm not sure. Um, They just that's gave the examples of it. It's are you kidding me? I want to be able to walk for days. <laughs> no, <laughs> especially you, you in like rap, though. <laughs> literally, especially in like little boys who aren't like properly developed and stuff, mm -hmm. and their muscle structure and bone. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of next crazy. example we have is I don't know how to pronounce this name. Oh boy, Mokel, Mokel, yeah, Mokel Cole yeah. and Clarkson reported early onset exercise induced <laughs> rhabdo and college soccer players who performed highly intense weight training followed by 300 squat jumps oh that sounds God. like that's got to be like a research like a study or something what's with the squat drums Is, bro yeah. are we trying to ban squat jumps <laughs> yeah because like their strength and conditioning coach would get like fired if you like <laughs> made, if you did a high intensity weight training session and then we're like let's go do 300 squat jumps uh yeah <clears throat> i don't know so I don't know. Next example, I guess. Russo and Bass reported uh, exercise-induced rhabdo in a 17-year-old male who performed 800 sit-ups, 400 push-ups, and a 3.2-kilometer run, which is roughly two miles. Jeez. Again, we're That's talking wild. about the intensity and duration yeah. of exercises. Obviously, this is extremely it's intense, extremely prolonged. For what reason? Yeah. There's no reason one has to do 800 sit-ups. I'm not even sure how you're breathing. No, um, <laughs> I don't know how you're even doing 800 sit-ups. That sounds miserable. I don't recommend it. This is probably just somebody who wants to feel, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that I is can the see thing it. Like, like a 17-year-old male, like being like, I can do this. Like, I'm going to be the one yeah. to do it. And there's and always like those weird fitness up. challenges and stuff exactly. that kind of float around and all. So again, intensity and duration is highly important in possibly getting rhabdo so don't be doing stuff like this yeah it's just unnecessary and you're not going to feel that great afterwards anyway so it doesn't even matter no um and then finally they get to the type of exercise that can directly influencing um the development of rhabdo um they talk about eccentric contractions of muscles uh they can cause rhabdo more often than concentric contractions mm. and eccentric basically is muscle lengthening so kind of like the lowering phase of a bicep curl while concentric means shorting so kind of the opposite um movement of that exercise yeah uh, prolonged and high-intensity exercises like marathons, CrossFit, triathlons, they say soccer, which is a big yikes for me, um, all have been <laughs> reported at some point to cause exercise-induced rhabdo in some individuals. Yeah. And the big thing um, that – Go ahead. I well, I just want to like add one thing with like eccentric contractions. Like I remember like when I first learned about that, a big thing that like you can kind of think of if like in your mind to like help it make sense, like why eccentric contractions are so – one can lead to rhabdo, but they also make you so much more sore is like 
is if you think of like rubber band and you're like stretching and stretching and stretching it like eventually like a rubber band's going to start to like have like tiny tears in it you know yeah. and then it's it's elasticity it's not going to pull back as quickly um that's kind of like one thing that like helps in my mind like if you think of like doing an rdl where you're like really stretching mm -hmm. your hamstrings like I, like, I don't know about you, Haley, but I know, like, regardless, like, even at, no matter how frequently I do them, by the time I'm done doing, like, three sets or whatever, like, my hamstrings, like, oh, are, like, gra are, like, grabbing, and they're, like, yes. really tight and, t and yes. sore, like, and I'm going to be sore in the next couple of days, so they're, in either way, like, no matter how, like, trained you are, like, those eccentric movements are definitely going to be more taxing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I never was taught that or saw that way, so that's, mm. that's a good tip, y'all. <laughs> Uh, so we get, I, moving down the article, uh, there was this lovely chart that kind of showed, um, all individuals, um, that they used for the study, they were all diagnosed with exercise induced rhabdo and they explained what they were doing at the time, the signs and symptoms they may have had, and then the complications that followed if there were any. So I'm going to give just three examples that I found that were interesting, uh, yeah. Park et al. reported a 20-year-old uh, male scuba diver mm. um, had signs and symptoms of vomiting, increased creatine kinase, as mentioned way at the beginning, increased myoglobin, and then his complication at the end was um, resulting of acute renal failure. Next example I have is Kim et al. reports a 28-year-old male weight trainer. He had um, signs and symptoms of edema, muscle pain, increased creatine kinase, um, increased lactate as well, uh, and his complication was a result of hepatitis. Hmm. And then we have Theonis. Theonis? Yeah, I think that's sounds right. right. Reports a 17-year-old male on a stationary bike. Watch out, Wes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's why I picked this one. <laughs> signs and symptoms of brown urine severe muscle pain he had no complications to follow huh. um but overall what strikes me is the age of these individuals 20 yeah. 28 17 they're young assumed to be healthy and fit you know assumed to also not have any complications or risk factors just because of their age yeah maybe not as many diagnoses as you may get as with an older individual mm-hmm also, the wide range of exercises or activities that they are performing that yeah. are all resulting in exercise-induced rhabdo, and then how serious some of the complications can end up being from rhabdo as well. Yeah, kind of crazy. That is. All right. So I talked about the primary factors like physical fitness, intensity, and duration that may cause rhabdo. Now I'm going to get into the secondary factors that also may cause rhabdo, exercise-induced rhabdo in individuals. Yeah. Um, the big one they say are hot environments. So excessive exercise in high humidity and temperature have been reported to be the most severe condition that causes exercise-induced rhabdo. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they state that soldiers and athletes in particular have more problems with this than the general public, which makes sense because mm -hmm. you're basically forced to exercise. Either somebody's yeah. yelling at you in boot camp or somebody's yelling at you inside the field in preseason. So, and you got to do what you got to do. So that yeah. makes the most sense to me. Um, another secondary factor is an electrolyte imbalance. 
There was a study that investigated bodybuilders who avoided sodium and water intake to, quote, generate a contrasting contour of muscles, quote, yeah. um, which in the end caused an electrolyte imbalance and exercise-induced rhabdo. Um, I don't recommend this. <laughs> if you yeah. want to contour your muscles, go buy concealer and bronzer <laughs> at Ulta. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, bo- like with bodybuilding, it's <laughs> like when they're like competing, it's like they... They, I mean, they kind of are. They're dehydrating themselves, so they have as it's much. Crazy. They they have as little like, I don't know, as little of fluid, whatever, like in, in their skin and everything to try to show their muscles as much yeah. as possible. It's wild. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I could never. No, <laughs> no. I mean, like, I mean, they're dedicated to their sport, which is really they cool. Are. But um, it definitely it puts your body through the ringer. That's for sure. Definitely. Um, another uh, secondary factor that they list is sex. So they say that exercise-induced rhabdo typically occurs more in males than females. Um, again, I'm going to get real sciencey, so don't let me lose you. I'm just going to say a direct quote to mm-hmm. hopefully make it make more sense. Okay. Um, quote: It was reported that estrogen, uh, which we all know is more is the main hormone in females. Um, has a similar structure as vitamin E and it also may have suppressed oxidative stress due to exercise, thus squelching, which is a crazy <laughs> word. And squelching yeah. means to suppress the gotcha. activation of calpane, uh, which is a protein that diminishes the infiltration of inflammatory cells. Hmm. Quote. Um, I interpret this as estrogen is kind of acting like a barrier fighter warrior, suppressing just those Im- inflammatory mm-hmm. responses. Um, That's pretty so- cool go women that's great yeah that's pretty awesome so that's why they believe that i don't know if it's a hundred percent solid um you know real fact yet um but that's what they believe um (laughs) why males may get it more than females yeah uh getting into more secondary factors we have nutritional problems so the amount of protein ingested can determine the likelihood of developing exercise induced rhabdo There was a study um, that states that vegetarians in particular who lack uh, the proper protein intake may be more likely to um, get exercise-induced rhabdomyolysis as well. Hmm. Not saying that all vegetarians don't know how to properly eat protein because I know there's a lot that do, but some who may um, lack that nutrition um, can get exercise-induced rhabdo. That can contribute. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I like to talk about creatine because I know a lot of people um, take creatine as a supplement. Yeah, a lot of people like to. Yeah, so getting into creatine supplements. um, So we all know creatine um, are used by some athletes to increase muscle mass. I changed that. The article literally said creatine is used by all athletes to (laughs) increase muscle mass. Yeah, that's not really. Yeah, that's not fair. That's inaccurate. (laughs) so some athletes, I know not us all. I don't. Some people do. That's great. It's up to you what you want to do. Yeah. Um, but an increased intake of creatine can cause an imbalance of water in the body mm-hmm. and cause muscle cramps, dehydration, um, which can be the, quote, root cause of renal failure or the um, start of exercise-induced rhabdomyolysis, quote. The article also mm-hmm. states that over 80% of athletes appear to take more supplementation than recommended, mm-hmm. which is no wild. shocker to me. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like everyone's just 
No, everybody kind of, yeah. Dosing, you know, they, themselves. They take, yeah, they take the amount that they want to. Like, I feel like if you're like a collegiate athlete, it's different because you are like, you have to do different like drug screenings and stuff yeah, like that. And there's rules with like caffeine and things like yep. that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've never been a big fan of like supplements. Um, I mean, that's just my personal thing. It's like, it's not Same. like I've done tons and tons of research into it. Uh, but I just, it's never been my thing, you know, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. So they're just concerned because of the, um, percentage of how high it is for athletes to take it inaccurately. And then how there have been some instances where it's caused exercise induced rhabdo. So Hmm. I don't know, keep that in mind, I guess. Yeah. So coming to the end, uh, prevention of rhabdomyolysis, we have come full circle. (laughs) The number one reason in my article, um, that I read of the prevention of exercise induced rhabdomyolysis is a proper warm up. Yeah. Um, we got to warm up my guys got (laughs) to get our body ready. We have to train, we have to practice, um, overall, in my opinion, uh, don't do unnecessary extreme exercises, Yeah. especially if you're like relatively unfit or just starting your training journey. The most important thing to do is listen to your body. Um, as an athlete, I know we're expected to perform at high levels and high intensities and especially in extreme weather. So if you are an athlete or a soldier, you definitely can prepare yourself um, for your seizing or your boot camp or your type of training. Like, you know what's coming. Like, don't yeah. don't be naive about it. Don't be a freshman going into preseason, guys, <laughs> not trained. Just saying. Yeah. So just prepare yourself for your preseason or your boot camp or whatever training that's coming your way. You know what's in store, properly hydrate, eat your appropriate nutrients, and just train. Um, those are the best ways um, they stay. They say to uh, prevent uh, exercise-induced rhabdomyolysis. So that's mm. what I got for you all today. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It, um, my like The case study that I read, it echoes a lot of the things. Uh, that you mentioned so like i'm not going to go as crazy in depth as um haley just did like with all the specific details of you know rhabdo and you know causes prevention like i you know i'll touch on some of that but um i don't want to bore you by repeating everything because haley did her job well Ah, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so as we kind of said earlier i went a little bit different in a different direction uh, the article I chose is a case study that was conducted uh, by, I think it's Ad- Adhikari and Morel et al. Um, and it was published in the Correus Journal of Medical Science. Um, nice. So as Haley, kind of, as Haley described earlier, rhabdomyolysis is the breakdown of muscle tissue and the spilling of uh, intramolecular contents in this, into the systemic circulation. That's the fancier way to um, say it. That's the fancier it. way to say it. I, I, I mean, being honest, it's a quote from the case study. <laughs> um, but so the basically the release of the of the protein myoglobin into the blood can cause damage to the kidneys, um, and which leads me to the most common and serious complication is acute kidney injury, um, mm-hmm. which Haley was referencing with like acute renal failure because yeah. like acute kidney injury injury can then lead to that. Um, and this is thought to be due to the high amount of free myoglobin, um, which causes renal vasoconstriction and nef- nephrotoxic effects and renal tubular obstruction. Um, 
So just kind of touching on what this case study is. So it was uh, looking at a a individual, a 22 year old uh, that competed or completed a CrossFit um, exercise routine. Um, and they did like preface their case study with, uh, quote, there have been many studies that show the benefits of high intensity exercise programs like CrossFit. Um, you know, Haley and I, we've talked about this like at different times. Like, I'll be honest, like I'm a bit conflicted with the use of CrossFit. I think it's Same. really great when it's done well. Um, and yeah. I think when it's individualized for each person, each person, um, you know, like if you're like an EP or any type of exercise professional listening in, like, like, you know, all exercise, all training should be individualized for the person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying it's, you know, it happens everywhere, but I, you know, I've definitely have heard of times where it's like, oh, we're like, this person's going to do this CrossFit workout and they're just jumping in and doing whatever one is like yeah. the workout of the day and not yeah, like what's um, written on the whiteboard. Yeah, the exactly. Day. Cause they're the, one of the big things with, um, CrossFit is like the workout of the day. And, um, not everybody is changing it to them for themselves and the trainers aren't always changing it for them, um, which then can lead to like that overtraining, which then can lead to rhabdomyosis, which we're going to be yeah. talking about. Um, but like that's kind of beside the point because we're not talking about the efficacy and use of CrossFit today. We're talking about rhabdomyosis, <laughs> which, you know, uh, we <laughs> can debate that one time if we really Let's wanna, do it. We, we really <laughs> want to debate things. Um <clears throat> So as I said, my article discussed the case of a 22-year-old male. He presented to the ED emergency department with complaints of generalized body aches and dark-colored urine. Um, some notes about his symptoms is the pain was more severe around his chest, upper back, arms, and shoulders. Um, two days bef before the day he came to the ED, he had participated in a three-hour CrossFit workout. Oh, my God. Um, which is just, like, a crazy long workout. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's wild. Yeah, it's super long. Um, and so it basically consisted of, like, different types of, uh, like, core training, uh, weight training, um, I think a bit of cardio as well. Um, some notes to keep in mind is his normal fitness routine was not CrossFit-based. And in the few weeks prior to him competing, completing this workout, he had taken a break from training. So, um, you know, no experience with CrossFit, been off of training for a few weeks. Uh, he Literally had... what my article was stating. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he had no prior medical conditions, no medication use, no over-the-counter drugs, and no steroid use, and no, okay. like, diet supplementation or anything mm -hmm. like that. <clears throat> um, his physical exam was quote unremarkable. Um, and so like, you know, in the medical field, like that's like a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, even though it's like, you know, unremarkable, You're right. That's good know, to say. But, <laughs> um, but the blood test showed elevated creatine kinase, uh, levels. And so creatine kinase is an intracellular enzyme that is most present in your skeletal muscle. Um, it's mm -hmm. also located in other areas of the body as well, but that's where it should be. Uh, the bulk of it should be. Um, when high levels of creatine kinase are present in the blood, it's indicating that there's been muscle damage. Um, so for reference, a normal range for your creatine kinase in your uh, like serum or blood um, is 22 to 198 uh, units per liter. Um, okay. And so I'd put it as a definition, but it's it, UL is units of enzyme per liter of serum. Um, it was, it's how they look at it. 
Um, so the initial blood test for this individual showed that his creatine kinase was greater than 20,000 units per liter. Um, and the actual value was determined later using a diluted method. And the actual value was 132,000. Oh my God. 540 units how is that even on their chart if it's supposed to be between 20 and (laughs) yeah it's kind of kind of wild yeah oh my god very crazy um so obviously due to the symptoms that he presented with and this extremely high level of creatine kinase levels he was uh diagnosed with rhabdomyolysis um he was admitted to the hospital uh treated with intravenous and oral fluids um and uh, throughout it was a period of i believe six days his creatine kinase level was decreased gradually um so it basically the study showed it in a table but each day it, it decreased and on the sixth day um his creatine kinase levels had dropped back down to basically 7900 uh units per liter um at that point he was discharged and given instructions to avoid strenuous physical activity and you know when he did scale up in a graded fashion so like very progressive um so one other thing to be uh aware of is that Quote, exertional rhabdomyolysis occurs due to excessive physical activity, leading to depletion of local mu- muscle energy stores and the inability of muscle cells to maintain cellular integrity. Uh, so, And this can happen in healthy individuals and result in cell damage, release of cellular contents, and ultimately secondary complications, quote. So basically echoing exactly what Haley was talking about earlier. Um, as you kind of you were questioning Haley, like how does mm-hmm. their scale go that high? Um, it, a common finding in rhabdomyolysis is creatine kinase levels greater than five times the upper limit, um, of that range for creatine kinase. Um, the most common symptoms with rhabdomyolysis is myalgia, Mm -hmm. which is your muscle aches and dark colored urine. So again, what Haley was talking about. And as I mentioned earlier, acute kidney injury is a very serious complication Mm -hmm. that can occur with rhabdomyolysis. Um, so, quote, high amounts of free myoglo- myoglobin causes r- renal vasoconstriction. Um, and, I'm, well, basically the quote I gave earlier, it, it you know causes uh, nephrotoxic effects, renal tubular obstruction, which ends up leading to that acute kidney injury, um, yeah, which not, not treated, it le- leads to that acute renal failure. Um, you know, in severe cases, this, you know, rhabdomyolysis, if not treated can cause like lasting disabilities. Um, Mm -hmm. and in very severe cases could like lead, lead to death as well. Um, which is just insane to me. Again, Uh, like, so thinking of it like non-sciencey, if people are kind of lost too, it's basically rhabdo is causing you to have like lots of toxins that don't belong in your blood. And basically your kidneys are a filtration system so they can't filtrate these toxins um especially if there's an abundance of them and then it just starts to fail um just to put it in like elementary terms to make it easier Um, no that's that's not good no that's a good way to explain it because it's just yeah yeah. there's certain thing there's certain items that need to be in certain places in your bodies and when they leak into different systems it causes havoc on your body so yeah exactly i mean it's yeah it's kind of like like you said the filtration system gets overwhelmed Mm -hmm. it goes into places it's not supposed to be and then it causes harm to the body yes 
All right. So a couple other things I want to note from the study. Um, they state that it is well known that sudden high intensity exercise can cause exertional rhabdomyolysis. Um, other contributing factors include, quote, little exercise experience, eccentric muscle contractions, history of electrolyte abnormality, low protein diet, statin, alcohol and alcohol use and creatine supplementation. Wow. So, look at that. So look at that. We totally got like supporting. double facts up in the house. <laughs> totally supporting that Haley found a good yes. article. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, you want to be aware of like your training age. If you haven't been exercising for a very yep. long time, be you know a little bit conservative with your uh, exercise selection. Be careful um, with what you're doing, obviously. Um, the case study concluded that there are various health benefits from individuals that follow a CrossFit exercise oh, yeah. routine, but it is very important that the participants and the trainers are aware of the possible risks of unmonitored and non-individualized exercise programming. Exactly. Uh, yep. That's the big thing. Um, exactly. There is a risk of an individual developing um, exercise or developing exertional rhabdomyolysis anytime they complete a strenuous exercise routine that is sudden and they have not necessarily trained form. Mm -hmm. Um so to me, rhabdo is like, it's just such a crazy thing. You know, it's yeah. just like you're over overworking your body, overtraining your body in such a severe way to where like you're causing your muscles, uh, you know, muscle cells to break down, which is like we were just yeah. saying a minute ago, like it's just overwhelming like other systems of your body. Um, I think ultimately the big thing is try to, you know, to try to help avoid this is slowly increase your training volumes. Uh, don't like ramp up like super crazy head like to crazy high volumes um if you were just starting out mm -hmm. um you know and that being said like rhabdo is pretty uncommon so roughly twenty six thousand people a year in the united states develop this condition so um you know our, we have like millions of people in the united states so yeah. um you know it's pretty uncommon but still it's just you want to be careful um you, you don't you don't really don't want to develop this condition. Obviously, like if you go get medical condition, like you should be fine. But still, it's like mm -hmm. you don't need to have it happen. If it's just unnecessary. Safe. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and like we said, we're, we're focusing on exertional rhabdomyolysis. There's lots of other causes besides overexertion that are pro also contributing to that number as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I know for me, like when I was in college and like learning about like strength and conditioning and stuff, like I know that... Uh, like we were I remember one story we were kind of told was like when CrossFit like first came out it was um you know it was like it was this new like training idea yeah. training methodology and um you know it we were told like a cautionary tale of like a strength and conditioning coach that had had all of his team do this crazy CrossFit workout okay. and then like the next day or two there was a bunch of them in the hospital with rhabdomyolysis oh so that was like a very big like kind of disclaimer of like be careful with how you're programming and doing what was this, that like, is that a class it, I can't remember if it was um like advanced strength training like was that was a class okay. I took in my undergrad or I really if it haven't was heard of we rhabdo Really? Like until I like as until I like I grew into my career, like huh. as a student, it wasn't yeah. really I don't I don't remember unless I missed that class. I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like it was in my class, but we I mean, we uh, as we talked about, um, you know, previously, like when I was a strength conditioning intern, we did have like those kind of like That's weekly good. kind of meetings and talked about different things. So it could have came yeah. up there, too. OK, Um, 
yeah and one crazy thing i saw um it was like i don't know a couple weeks ago it was online it was this uh this girl who had was she was training to do like a marathon or something i can't remember um all the details but she had been training for a while and she like didn't finish the marathon because of um you know basically it was like she developed rhabdomyolysis she was developing rhabdomyolysis and i think possibly even compartment syndrome because she's like her Wow. legs Okay. were swelling and things like Yeah. that and she was in the hospital and um you know it was just like her telling her story and it's just crazy because like it, even though it doesn't happen to a lot of people it's i mean it's just i don't know it can have a lot of very detrimental effects because Yeah, and you know it's she, I don't know. yeah The I don't type know of exercises that you can be doing are just ones that like, I mean, Wes and I have friends that prepare for marathons and like they talk about soccer in my article a lot. And that's like all I ever did my whole life. And there were instances in training, and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to this, where you're in a training period or you're expected to perform at a certain level and you just like, you have to do it. And or like you feel how detrimental it was to your body afterwards. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like. crazy how common these exercises or things that are expected of athletes can cause such a serious um, diagnosis if it ends up being that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think as, as, as long as you're taking like preventative measures and things like that, that should, you know, definitely should really be helping you out with it, um, with helping prevent rhabdomyolysis. But like, you know, if you are a trainer or if you are a new person, like, Uh, coming into exercise, excuse me, just keep in mind, you want to customize the workout to yourself. Like we even had, when I was in cardiac rehab, uh, we had a individual who uh, was very big into CrossFit. Um, and I can't remember like procedure and everything. I wouldn't get into all of that anyway, but um, you know, they were, wanted to return to CrossFit while they were uh, coming into like rehab with us. And um You know, I we kind of work, you know, working with the, that individual and call, Mm you -hmm. know, be helping to, um, you know, just be as uh, cautious as possible. Of course. Um, but they were also very intelligent with it and kind of cutting down like ranges of workout, like what intensities they were going at with like the assault bikes or the rowers and like reducing weights with like the actual weights and things like that. So like the big thing, like I was not definitely not trying to villainize CrossFit. Um, you know, I think like it can be good when done intelligently. Um, you know, and I think like if you customize it and individualize it, it can be safe. Um, Especially for people just starting out too. exactly. Yeah. You don't want to like take somebody that's never worked out that much or is a like kind of a beginner work, um, a beginner and then you're just like throwing them into some intense workout um that Yep. they just like can't handle so Exactly. um yeah Period. um so that's a wrap on our research review of rhabdomyolysis Nice. um definitely was interesting um you know i'm glad that our our uh studies or our uh articles kind of echoed each other Yeah, they um got they supported each other. yeah It's great. it was it was a good one We didn't um do that on purpose, I swear. <laughs> no <clears throat> we we hardly talked we're just about articles that good at this researching. week <laughs> well i guess i mean at least we <laughs> um you know shows that we chose good articles i guess exactly. <clears throat> A plus. yeah Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. We have another guest interview, so yeah it'll be fun. It'll be chit-chatty. Um, yeah that'll should be be good next she time. um it'll be Somebody else from the University of Delaware, um, a CEP that currently works there and 
um, went to the same program that uh, Krista, who was a guest uh, a yeah. few months back, and wow, and that I went to. So Delaware people on here, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but it'll it'll be good. <laughs> you know, the the job that she does is a little bit different than um, anything that uh, we've talked about so far. Cool. So it'll be it'll be good. So be sure to tune in for it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, this is Killer Physiology. See ya. See ya.